You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin fans for Miami Dolphin fans. Your source for entertaining Dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. Hey everyone, this is Mike. Uh, the Fin Fans Podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. All right, I'm here with uh, Louis Ragoni. Hello, Dolphins. And Kirk Marks. Hey, Dolphins. Welcome back, Kirk. Thank you. <laughs> so, Louis, it was championship game weekend last Sunday. What did we learn? We learned that Mahomes is pretty doggone good, isn't he? <laughs> Incredible. And San Francisco's defense is pretty doggone good. That front is tough. Tell you. Yeah, I mean, you know, same pattern in that game as the week prior in regard to Kansas City falling behind early. And Mahomes just plugs away, and eventually they get some points on the board. And then next thing you know, they've got a lead before half. I can't really say much more about that team other than the fact that Mahomes is the key there. They have some really good players on offense. Their defense is an average defense, and uh, this team's going to the Super Bowl with an average defense, pretty much uh, no running game. You know, I would say a below average running game. Would you guys agree with that? I mean, I wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, they're capable of running, but they don't focus on running. Does that make sense? Yeah, it it, it does. And, you know, with the fact that it does make sense, Mike, and the fact that they have such a great passing game, you know, you would think that the running game would be that much more effective. It's average. And it's yeah. I would say it's actually probably a little bit below average in regard to a running game. So going in, you know what they're going to do against you. And as, you know, you look at history, it doesn't matter whether you know what a team's going to do or not. If they're going to sit there and do what they do and you can't stop them, then they're going to just continue to do it. And that's what Kansas City does. They do it fantastic. It's much like Marino and the boys back in the day. You knew they were going to throw the ball, but you couldn't stop them. You know, we always have to refer back to our Dolphins, right? We got to get there in the conversation. But it's true. I mean, Mahomes does remind me of a young Marino. Uh, he's just fearless. Mm-hmm. That he is. Yeah, he's, he's fearless and he, he really enjoys the game. And that's got to be infectious. Yeah, so you get, you know, you look at the Kansas City side of the football and then you look at Tennessee side of the football. And um, Kansas City's defense did a very, very good job in holding Henry down to, you know, below, below what he's been doing by far. He, only, he, he ran for, I think, less than 70 yards in the game. And he got the ball close to 20 times. So they did a very good job on him. And then, of course, the game fell into Mr. Tannehill's hands. And, you know, the question was, and it always will be, is this guy capable of carrying a football team if everything else is not going well? Well, they're deep. And what have we always said? We have always said that uh, more than likely it's not going to happen, at least not from what we have seen over the years. And, that was, in fact, the case this past week again. You know, they stopped the running game pretty well. Uh, the Titans' defense was not playing well, and Tannehill had opportunities, and they just couldn't get the job done. Um, you know, and th- I, the turning point in this game, there was about four minutes left before the half, and Kansas City kicked to Tennessee. They had just gotten points, I believe. And, um, they, yeah, they had scored a touchdown. Mahomes threw a deep pass to Tyreek Hill. It was a 20-yard touchdown. You know, what happens is they punt the ball to Tennessee. Tennessee basically goes three and out and gives the ball 
back to Kansas City with about a minute 40. Well, they I think they scored with about a minute 40 left before the half. They, they went right up the field, nine plays, 86 yards, and took the lead. Now, the reason I'm bringing that, that point up in the game is because Tennessee came out and you know that Kansas City is going to score points. You know they're going to put pressure on your defense over and over again. And they came out on that possession and they ran the ball on first and second down. And then Tannehill threw an incomplete pass on third down. Now, with four minutes left in the game, any coach in the league has got to put it in the quarterback's hands to move the football down the field, uh, take some time off the clock at least, and get some more points on the board before the half. And that's the type of thing that we have seen from Tannehill over and over again. The where when the ball's put in his hands and he's got to create, it just doesn't happen. You know that was the turning point in the game. After that, Kansas City never looked back. I mean, they took the lead right before the half. Uh, that touchdown run down the sideline was just incredible. And after that, like I said, they just never looked back. The game was over after that point. I mean, Tannehill had a phenomenal season. He had a great season. I'm not taking nothing away from him there. Uh, but I think you saw his weaknesses in that game. You, you, you know, when, when he had to make a play, uh, when it was do it or go home, they went home. That's what we've come to see from him more times than not. But, you know, like I said, he did have a fabulous season. He, he definitely energized that team when, when he was made the starter. Um, so I give him credit for that because that's something we didn't think he was capable of doing, uh, energizing a team, and he did that. Um, so I give him credit for that. But when it comes to do or die, he's not the guy. No, he, he, you know, he reminds me of um, more like of a game manager. Yes. And for some reason, when I think about that, it takes me right back to uh, Trent Dilfer. Yeah. Basically, the, the, sort of the same kind of player because they weren't asked to do too much. Now, I think, I think Ryan did get a lot better this year throwing his deep ball and some things like that, but he still has the same problems that he had with us. With no, we didn't have any line, but his pocket presence and being able to get that third down when you need to get it, he didn't really have to do that too much because he had Derrick Henry in his backfield. But when that's not working out and he's got to, you know, he's got to throw the ball, he did come up short. He still threw two, t- two touchdown passes um, and he, he, he did improve. But it just it wasn't enough to get the job done. Well, that's it. I mean, people compare him to, you know, uh, Greasy and, pe- and people like that. And I don't see that comparison because when Greasy had to throw, he was successful. Uh, when he had to win a game late, he could do it. And, and pretty much on a regular basis, you know. I mean, I'm not going to say he won every one of them, but, but he could do it. And we knew he had the talent to do it. Uh, it was, you know, a game where they... That down to Pittsburgh. In fact, there were, it, to Pittsburgh a couple of times, once in 71 and once in 72, and, and Gracie brought the team back both times. But, uh, you know, he had the ability to do that, and he had the ability to do it pretty consistently, and I don't see that in Tannehill. I don't see that he has that ability to uh, really get everybody focused and, and get the job done. More times than not, he's taking sacks and just doing things that are hurting his team rather than energizing his team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did a lot of things that we've seen over the years. Uh, you know, during the course of that game, he did quite a few of those things. I think there was one play to where he could have just threw the ball out of bounds and wound up taking a loss. And you know, around the sideline, he kind of just stepped out of bounds. It, it was it was a weird play, and it was typical of him. But you know, one thing 
guys, you know, before we move on, one thing that you take from this game and this season and how it's uh, developing, you look at a guy like Tannehill, and he's in a perfect situation. They've, they've got a great offensive line. They've played very solid defense. They've got a great running game. He's got a ton of talent around them, and they were one game away from the Super Bowl. Okay, now if history has taught us anything as we go into our draft this year, we went to the Super Bowl with Woodley. Kirk mentioned Dilfer. It's happened. Teams get to the Super Bowl. Look at look at San Francisco. We'll go over to that game in a minute, but just let me use Garoppolo as a as another example. He's got a phenomenal defense. They run the ball extremely well and they pass the ball when they need to. But you know, when you look at Garoppolo, you're like, okay, he's probably right in the middle of the pack, average quarterback, and they're in the Super Bowl. Uh, you're seeing the league kind of go back, going back to how they were, to where defense and a running attack is kind of the way to go to some extent. Now, Kansas City is, is exceptional because they have an exceptional quarterback. So you can go that route. But my point is, is that when we go into this draft this year, and I know everybody's so, you know, the emphasis is on getting a franchise quarterback. And I do agree with that to some extent, but they have to, they have to get players on both sides of the offense, on both sides of the uh, the line of scrimmage, offense and defense. No I mean, question about it. You see what Bo's in San Francisco doing, San Francisco, you know, on their defensive line. They're incredible. I mean, Bo's they, a maniac. they control the game. It makes your secondary and your linebackers that much better. Your offensive line, look at what it did for Tannehill this year. And look at what it does for Mahomes. Now, Mahomes does a lot of creating himself, but that offensive line, I mean, there's times where he's just sitting there flat-footed. They do an exceptional job pass blocking. So, you know, before, like I said, before we go to the next game, I'm just trying to make a point here in regard to that, that, um, you know, we've got to get players up front on both sides of the football. And, um, you know, I don't think anybody should be disappointed if we do go a different route early. So, anyway. So that's your thought, huh? You want us to draft linemen in the first round? Really? I, I, I'm not necessarily – I'm just saying that I don't want people to be disappointed if, in fact, we don't take that big quarterback with that first pick. Yeah. Because, you know, like I said, just look at these teams that are on the football field going to the Super Bowl. They're winning games up front. You know, there's some really good players on Kansas City in regard to their offense. Mahomes is probably, what, top three right now in the NFL, if not the best. I mean, you know, he you can make an argument for him being the best quarterback in the league right now. His numbers have shown that over the last well, couple of years. Well, he's certainly the best younger quarterback in the league. No question. So, I mean, there are different ways to get there, um, but – you know, the common denominator on a lot of these teams is you got to have an offensive line and you've got to play defense. You just have to, and it starts up front. Agreed. Always has, always will. And I, I agree with that too, but I'm, uh, I also think about the quarterback and I think about how many picks we had to waste on trying to get quarterbacks and trying to get pieces to go around where if we would have had a quarterback, we could build the rest of that roster. And you have that window because they're on rookie contracts. Right. And you're able to go get some of those those uh, players because you have some money to be able to spend on them. Why these quarterbacks are still on their rookie contracts? So 
I'm looking at the I'm looking at the draft a little bit different this year because we're still chasing quarterbacks. We still mm-hmm. need one, and if we get the opportunity to get one, we're sitting pretty good with with cap space and and picks and things like that. So we're able to build those things. We might even be able to, and I, I had mentioned it a couple times, uh, get a couple of these offensive linemen with some of that money we have that aren't 31 and 32 years old. There's some some kids coming off some rookie contracts. We'd be able to get them. If we could get one or two of those linemen, that instantly is going to start helping the line and then draft a couple. But I I don't want to go into the draft and 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 take a tackle or take something like that because you know we, we suffered through the season already. Everybody, we're all wanting a quarterback, and I think that there's – you know, there's a, a couple of them out there, and that's the route that I think we should go, but that's just my own opinion. Well, let, let me ask both of you guys before we move on this question, okay? Are you guys comfortable? We got to assume Burroughs is gone, right? Right. When we draft, okay? So at that five pick, are you guys comfortable with Tua, or, or are you guys comfortable with somebody else at that five hole, or do you guys feel that there's another quarterback coming out of college that warrants that number five pick. So, you know, so question A is, are you guys are you guys going to be happy if Tua is picked at that number five spot? And then number two, if not him, then who do you get? Who guy? Who would you guys feel comfortable with at that number five pick in well, regard to a quarterback? Before he hurt his hip, I'd have been thrilled to get him at five. Right. But, you know, that hip changes things, and we're not going to know the answer to that until we know whether or not he's healthy. If he's not healthy, I would not be comfortable taking him at five. If he is healthy, obviously I would be. So that's how I look at Tua. And as far as the second question, do I think there's somebody else there capable uh, of, of being drafted in that spot? I mean, uh, you know, there's Jordan Love. I don't. I don't know that he should go that high. I, I think they can probably uh, wait until 18 and maybe move up a few spots if they feel the need to, and and take one of the second. You know, the second batch of quarterbacks. If uh, like what Mike said, if if two is healthy, and I I understand that he is going to be throwing the football before the draft, so that'll answer a lot of questions. But if he's healthy, I'm definitely taking him at five. If he's going to be healthy. Me personally, I'm still taking him because he really doesn't even have to play next year. Right. I mean, there's a good chance he might play, but he doesn't have to play with the quarterbacks we have. So the one thing that would really bother me is if we don't take him, somebody else takes him, he gets healthy, and all of a sudden he takes off and there's another chance that we had. At some point, we're going to have to take a chance on somebody. Mm -hmm. Even the Chiefs moved up to get Mahomes. You have to take a chance. We don't know even, you know, we don't know the quarterbacks are going to be good or not. If we weren't going to take two at five, because of some other problem. I know the media and everybody likes to push these other quarterbacks into the first round that really don't belong there. Right. So I wouldn't take another one of those quarterbacks at five unless it was one of the two, Burrow or Tua. And gotcha. Mike said Jordan Love, and I, I I like Jordan Love, but I like Jordan Love, like Mike said, maybe at 18 or 26 or wherever we're at up there. If we want to move up a couple of spots and get them, great. But I'm a, there's no, there's no uh, secret that I'm a big Tua guy. If he if he you know if he clears his medical and stuff like that, I'm taking a chance. I have enough picks that I can take a chance. Well, you know, people say he's injury prone and this, that, and the other thing. And you know, yes, he had surgeries to correct weak ankles. Um, but the word is that they're stronger than they would have been otherwise. So you know, I mean, is that really injury prone? I don't know. I don't know if you call that injury prone or not. You know, obviously the hip, the hip was a freak thing. He got tackled, tackled awkwardly, 
and uh, he got hurt. It happens. So, you know, I don't, you know, he's not running around with bad hamstrings all the time or, or you know, just not able to play because he has a hangnail. These, these are all serious things, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a physical game. It, it happens. Right, and that's so. the concern. It, it is a physical game. and. Yeah. We're not going to see him on a football field before this draft. And, um, you know, it, it's a risk, but we do have other options. I mean, we do have a situation where later in the draft we can take another quarterback. They're always good trade bait, regardless. If you get two guys in here competing, if you get a love, even early second round, you know, maybe they go that route. Maybe they bring two guys in to compete. and then or you maybe, can they've, maybe they've already got the guy in Rosen. Uh, Mike, <laughs> here we go. It, let, let's move on from that. I'm not I, even going to I, I, I just have, oh, come on. I, you know, no, I, I know you're joking. Yeah. I know you're, you're trying to get me riled up and it's, exactly. too, it's too early in the show for that. Okay. <laughs> any, any more thoughts on the, on the second game? Uh, the Green Bay game yeah. we're talking about? Well, I mean, the, Green Bay looked horrible. They played a very sloppy game. They fumbled the ball, you know, going in. For a score, a fumbled snap. And, I mean, with San Francisco's defense, you can't make mistakes like that. You just can't. Rodgers didn't look right. And it may have had a lot to do with the fact that he was looking at Boza and the rest of those uh-huh. guys, breathing down his <laughs> neck the whole day. And um, But their defense didn't show up either. I mean, San Francisco's got a very, very good offense. There's no question about it. But when you've got – a running back, Mozart's a very good running back, but what did he go for, 220, 240? I think he's still running. Yeah, and he had four touchdowns. I mean, you yeah, know. 220 it, and four touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I was very, very disappointed in the way their defense played. They really didn't give their offense an opportunity, and San Francisco dominated. And, um, you know, I'll tell you what, you know, they're, they're going to be a handful for Kansas City in the Super Bowl. This is going to be a really – I guess we'll make predictions at the end. Is that what you guys want to do? I think do, we'll do that Mike? next week. Oh, we'll do it next week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. We got the Pro Bowl this week. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, those are my thoughts on it. I don't know what you guys have, you know, from, you know, from that, but – I thought the better team won. It's as simple as that. I mean, San Francisco is, is like you said, playing well on both sides of the ball. I, I really enjoy watching their defense. It's going to be an interesting Super Bowl, but we will talk about that next week. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you know, Flores uh, kind of came clean on why he made all the ch- coaching changes. And uh, uh, he, he basically said he, he was looking for good teachers. And I don't think, and this is me speculating now, I don't think that uh, O'Shea uh, was teaching that New England offense as well as he had envisioned he'd be able to teach it. And I believe that's the reason that that he was let go, as well as it's a very complicated offense, and I don't think with the young team he felt that it was the best way to go. So Chan Gailey uh, was out there, and, you know, he... he, uh, knows uh, Fitzpatrick has worked with him before. He, you know, he's had experiences with him before, and uh, he believes he's a good coach. Uh, so he, he brought him in, and uh, a lot of his henchmen in <laughs> that worked with him with the Jets, and uh, he feels like they're all going to be better teachers. You know, they, uh, some uh, press was asking him why he hired uh, – uh, the coach out of high school, and he said, look, you can find good coaches on every level, and what I'm looking for is good teachers. 
and he felt like this coach is a good teacher. Uh, so that was his logic there. Uh, so, you know, you got to trust the guy that, you know, he knows what he wants. He knows what he's doing. He has a plan, and, and hopefully it, it, it works the way he thinks it's going to work. Um, he also believes that, that Gailey is going to be good working with a young quarterback because he's done it before. I mean, there's not much that Gailey hasn't done before. He's been coaching for 40-something years. So uh, that's, that's why he did what he did. And I, I think it'll be interesting to see his influence on the offense because uh, he can run a spread offense. He can, he can run a two-back, you know, power offense. He can, he, can, he can run just about any offense he wants to run because, as I said, he's been doing it so long, uh, he knows how to do it. You guys have any thoughts on those changes? I was shocked yeah. when, uh, when he started I making most pe- I think most people were. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it. Um, from what I could see, those last nine games, the offense was doing well. So if he's teaching them, they, obviously they were learning something because you know they were making plays. But Fitzy, you know, Fitzy had something to do with that too because well, he could, you, you he saw how around. they played the first seven games. So maybe it took them a while. Yeah, and as far as as far as the running game, who was going to be able to have a running game with that line and the, and the running backs that we had? Well, that's a whole other story. Yeah. So and Chan Gailey, man, I know we're fossils, but he's a fossil. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. So I'm hoping, you know, I'm, ho- I'm just hoping it works out. I, I believe that the coach knows what he's doing because he's putting his own reputation on that. And if it doesn't work out, that's going to be uh, that's going to be on him. But he does, you know, to go get a high school coach. When he did that, I didn't think I didn't even think about it. I was like, if he's going to get in these people, there are people he wants in the building that he can work with, and they can get more done because they're on the same page. Well, you know, the guy's a defensive back coach, and, and certainly, you know, Flores worked on the defensive side of the ball. So if the guy needs some help, he's going to be able to help him, or he'll have one of his other coaches help him. I mean, this is a guy, you know, he's young. They're, I think he's 30 years old. Uh, they're bringing him in, and, and they're grooming a coach, and that's what happens. I mean, you know, uh, it happened with the Patriots. It's going to happen here. Right. You got to start somewhere, right? Right. You got to give the, the younger coaches an opportunity and see where it goes. And Kirk, Kirk brought up the best point yet in regard to this. They've all got to work together. And if Flores is bringing in guys that he feels he can work with, then great. Now, the fossil, as Kirk referred uh-huh. to him as, you know, obviously he feels he can work with the guy. You know, in regard to that, I was a little surprised by that as well. It just didn't seem to fit into what we're doing here. But we'll see what happens. I mean, you got to trust Flores, as Kirk said as well. You got to trust in the fact that he's making the right decisions. Uh, My personal opinion on it is I was surprised just like Kirk. And um, I don't know if I necessarily agreed with it, but... It is what it is. I was very comfortable with the way the offense played last year. And again, you know, it did have a lot to do with Fitzpatrick, but the receivers had to be in the right place. The tight ends had to make plays. The offensive line had to block and they did a much better job down the stretch. So, I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not real happy about change year in and year out. And uh, let's just hope that, you know, this isn't a one and done season for some of these coaches. And then we have to start all over again next year. That's my number one concern is the fact that now we're, you know. We're, but I think that's the nature of things. I, I do think that that's probably going to be the case. It I mean, is. Gailey's 67 years old. He's not going to be here forever. Right. Let's just hope that he's grooming somebody right underneath him that's right. going to just step in. But Exactly. 
You know, I mean, th- that is the issue, though, Mike. I mean, you want stability year in and year out. You want the guys coming in and knowing what to expect, come training camp. And, you know, hopefully they get that established quickly, come training camp. And, it, you know, it reflects at the you know, it reflects on the team at the beginning of the season. I mean, I, I don't want to be halfway through the year next year and them still trying to, you know, get the kinks out. You know, we want to. We want to have we want to make the another running. We <laughs> want to right. We want to make a step forward next year. I mean, that's the bottom line. I mean, we've got we've got the draft picks and the money to change this team. I mean, completely. I mean, they can do it. I mean, we've seen teams do it. San Francisco a couple of years ago were not what they are right now. They're going to a Super Bowl right now. Look at what Tennessee did this year. You know, a, a, a game away from the Super Bowl. So. It's possible. And I mean, who would have thought something like that would have happened at the beginning of the season? Tannehill? I mean, when they signed them, it was as a backup. And there they are. You know, Henry took off this year. It can happen quickly. You know, I just don't want to take a step backwards next year. You know, we have to keep moving forward. I want them competing for a wild card spot next year, you know, down the stretch. You know, I want the games to be uh, meaningful. And then, you know, and then you build on that. So let's just hope that that's the case. And, you know, these coaching changes don't, you know, bring us back to square one. And, you know, when the season's all said and done next year, we're right, you know, we're in the same boat as we were at the end of this season. So let's just hope that's not the case. Well, speaking of changes, uh, the NFL and their infinite wisdom has uh, in their (laughs) method to try and remove the kickoff from the game because they believe it's the most dangerous uh, play in football. They've come up with a a set of rules that they're going to experiment with in the Pro Bowl game. And what they're going to do basically is the team will have two options. Let's call them Team A and Team B, okay? Team A can elect to give Team B the ball at a Team B is 25-yard line, and they'll begin a new series of downs with a first and 10. Or Team A may elect to take the ball at its own 25-yard line for a fourth and 15 play. If Team A is successful in making the first down, Team A will maintain possession, and the new series of downs will continue as normal. If Team A is unsuccessful in making a first down, uh, the result will be a turnover on downs, and Team B will get the, you know, the ball at the dead ball spot. So what they're basically trying to do is is, uh, give uh, an option to an onside kick, and that's what uh, that second rule there is designed to do. Uh, Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Hey, guys, I wanted to break in here real quick just to ask a favor of you. On the app that you're listening on, uh, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit like, leave a, a comment on your thoughts of the show. And uh, if you didn't know, we do, we do run a Facebook group, but uh, it's Miami Dolphins number one. That's hashtag one. We talk uh, Dolphins football 24 7, 365. We'd love to have you join us and share your thoughts. And uh, once again, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, let's make it a habit. We'll see you next week. I'm, I'm confused with what you just said. It sounds like the, the first start part of that was uh, All right, involving you, a punt. It, no. If you, if you, there's, there's no kick, kickoffs. This is kicking off. So, but instead of kicking off now, Team A will elect to give the ball to Team B at their own 25 yard line. You know where where they would normally start now if it was touched back. Right. Okay. So they can do that. They can give them the ball there, or they have the option to take the ball. In other words, 
keep the ball at their own 25-yard line for a 4th and 15 play. So if they convert that 15-yard play, they'll keep the ball, and that's basically replacing the onside kick. Okay, I see what you're saying. The the second part of that whole thing comes into play only only on onside kick situations. Right. To where they get the ball. Well, every team is obviously going to opt for that. You know, I mean. Well, I mean, you could be down by two scores in the third quarter and decide to try it. I mean, you could you could do this at any time in the game. But if you if you don't make it, obviously, you're setting up the other team. Okay, so let's go back to uh, part A. So Uh basically, they're eliminating the kickoff. Correct. Is what you're saying at every point. Yes. There's not going to be any kickoffs. Every no team kickoffs. is just going to start at the 25-yard They'll have those two line. options. The, the scoring team can give the other team the ball to the 25-yard line, or they can keep the ball and try and convert that play that I just told you. Okay. So that, so, eliminates, that eliminates special teams players, basically. Well, well I, hurt. I, I assume they'll have still be on punting. Kickoffs. Right. It'll take away your kickoff teams. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean... I, I don't, you know, I'm old school. I disagree with all of it. I wish they'd go back to having them kick off, you know, around the 30-yard line so you see kick returns and stuff like that. Um, you know, guys have been getting hurt for years one way or another. Uh, they've changed rules in regard to kick returns and what you can and can't do in regard to blocking and so on and so forth. So, I mean, it's it's getting to a point where it's it's going to be flag football here before you know it. I mean, it's you know, it's, it's going there. <laughs> it is. It's going there. I mean, it's. I I don't I don't like it. I mean, I do like the part B to that in regard to uh, having the option because boy, I'll tell you what. If you're down by two scores late in the game, you get a score, and you've got about a minute left in the game. You know, obviously, you're going to take the ball at your own 25, and on a fourth and 15, you've got an opportunity there to make a play. Right. So I do like that. That adds a little bit of a different element to the game. At the end of the game, it gives a team an opportunity to, you know, come back from way behind. Um, you're going to see teams just, you know, keeping the metal to the pedal now for that reason, because you're going to have an opportunity. Right. I mean, a fourth and 15, I mean, I would assume the odds of of converting that are much better than converting an onside kick, a successful onside kick. I would think so. I would think so too, especially, especially under today's uh, rules that have that have uh, changed the onside kick. Absolutely. So, you know, that's an interesting element to it. But taking away kickoffs altogether, I mean, it's you know. It's been part of the football, you know, the game of football for years. And again, they're just taking something else away that um, used to be just, I mean, it's such an exciting play. I mean, look at what Grant did this year earlier in the season on that kick return. It, it, it started, you know, it started giving us momentum back in that game against Buffalo. And that's well, what that's, that type that's of my stuff thing. Does, yeah, you know? it absolutely does. It changes momentum in games and it really does excite the crowd and gets the crowd into it. And, I don't know. You know, I <laughs> if it ain't broke, you don't fix it. But they believe it's broke. <laughs> so I don't know what to tell you. I guess. I'd love to see these statistics in regard to injuries. Go ahead, Kirk. You were going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say I, I also like that part B because mm-hmm. I don't like what they did with the onside kick now where the guys can't even start moving until – Exactly. So they, they – they, I don't know if they ruined it. Well, they ruined it if you if you like the old school way of watching it. 
they took the excitement out of that. And all the games I've been to and what I've watched on TV, I don't really recall ever seeing a lot of people getting hurt on kickoffs. Right. I see more. I see more refs throwing flags for blocks in the back than I do anybody getting hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to take away the kickoff return, like you guys said, that's that's exciting. Yep. If you it's take that away, you just took some fun away from the game. Absolutely. I mean, let's go back to the Kansas City game two games back when they were down twenty-four to nothing. Uh, their kick returner had like a fifty-yard return, and after that, it was just it was on. You know, it was a momentum changer. You know, and that's you know you're taking another element out of the out of the football game. You know, the the hits on defense and and stuff. I mean, how many times, guys, did you guys see during the playoffs where? Um, the quarterback, I watched a play with Tannehill where Kansas City had a couple of defenders around them, and I swear they were afraid to hit him. And he got away and he was able to throw a, you know, an incomplete pass. He was able to dump it. But you know, they, they've people don't realize that these guys are afraid to hit yeah. the quarterback. You're not seeing a lot of uh a lot of these late hits or a lot of these personal fouls on the quarterbacks. I mean, they've kind of like gotten away from it because these guys just aren't even attempting it at, at some point when they get close to the quarterback they're, they're so cautious in rushing the quarterback that you know you just see a guy either you know get away or throw you know he's capable of escaping and throwing an incomplete pass and you're just not seeing the penalties you did last year compared right. to this year I don't know if you guys feel the same way no, but I, I haven't seen I it do. I just haven't seen a lot of it I do well we had that we had that one player uh, a couple of years ago in the uh, in the end zone that got injured trying not to land on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I yep. can't think yep. of what his name is right now, but he got hurt specifically because he was yeah, trying not was, to get a flag. It was, I remember that. It was a defensive player. I, yeah. I don't remember who it was either. It was our, one of our tackles. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So I, I went through looking at, at where our players graded. Let's talk about these a little bit. Uh Fitzpatrick graded 14th best in the league. Would you have expected that going into the season? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't have. I mean, I, I would have figured 20, 22, somewhere around there. I would not have figured 14th. I mean, that's that's an above-average starter. Um, well, Kirk, we didn't hear from Kirk. I would have thought that he would have finished maybe not maybe not that high, but the, the I'm sure we were all thinking about him having one great game and then one really bad game. Right. And that didn't happen. He just he was consistent the whole year. He didn't have any of those big drop off games once he got no, going. For the first couple of games he suffered, but I'm uh, not even yeah. I don't even want to talk about those two. Okay. All right. You, all right, I guess. I sat through that those shutouts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those were those were just sloppy. I mean, you had Balage handing them a touchdown. I mean, they, you know, you could see that they weren't quite ready. They had guys coming in and out of camp. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So no. t- let's toss those aside. I mean, I don't want to make excuses for him, but let's well, no. Just, if you toss those aside, he's probably tenth. <laughs> right. I mean, once yeah, the, once they <laughs> yeah once they established you know what they were doing, and they did somewhat establish the offensive line, and you know down the stretch they did have pretty much. You know, uh, Kilgore at center week in and week out. And Dieter, you know, whether he was being benched because he wasn't playing well, he was in for the most part all the time. But the, the point is, is that Fitzpatrick is what he is. And he, he did play above and beyond. If you look at the quarterbacks across the league and you look at, you know, you go team to team, yeah, I, I, I felt that he'd be right in the middle of the pack 
And yep. that's kind of where he was. He was probably a little bit better than that. If you consider the offensive line he was behind, yes. I thought he had a phenomenal season. He did. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I mean, you throw all those factors in, Mike, and the fact that, that he lost one of his starting wide re- – well, he lost two of his starting right. wide receivers when Grant went down. And what he had to work with, I mean, above and beyond. I mean, you know, he, he had a, as good a year as anybody. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to put him in the Mahomes category or anything like that. But, you know, like you said, with what he had to work with, he was fantastic this year. So, yeah, I mean, very happy. All right. Our our two best ball catchers, uh, uh, Parker finished 18th and Gesicki, or Gesicki, I should say, finished 41st. I think, uh, do you say 41st? 41st in tight ends, yes. Wow, I would have thought he would have did better than that. Yeah, I would imagine Matt Hawk thought so, too. Mike, you're saying he was 41st among tight ends or among yeah. receivers? Among tight ends. How is that even possible? Well, that, I that, mean, I don't think teams that, have more than one tight end. It's very easily possible. I get possible. that, but you're talking about him being not only the worst starting tight end in the NFL, but then 18, 18 teams' backups were better than him on top of it? I don't well, think that's It depends how you... It depends how you break it down, Lewis, but uh, that's where he ranked. Wow. Um, Jesse Davis, 63rd. Evan Bames, 74th. Dieter, 81st. Kilgore, 21st. Among centers? Yep. Okay. So that, you know, they're all obviously below average, which we knew. No surprise there. Well, Parker being the 18th best receiver in the league. Uh, are they just basing this across the board, Mike, in regard to blocking and all this other yes. stuff? Okay. Yes, yes. All right. I got you. I got you. Listen, did did any of us believe that Parker would be the 18th best wide receiver in the NFL? No, we probably figured 118th. <laughs> right. I mean, you've got, you know, you've got 32 teams times two. You got 64 receivers right there. Some teams have three. Most, really yeah, receivers. most teams play three. Three, but, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm talking about the outside guys. Then you throw slot guys in. I yep. mean, 18th is incredible. I mean, you yep. th- think about that for a minute. 18th best receiver in the NFL this year. That's fantastic for him. So, yeah, I'm sure we're all surprised by that one. That's for sure. Needham, uh, 69th. Cornerback, that was our, our, our best cornerback. Uh, Parker, our best safety, 29th. Uh, McMillan, 33rd. On the defensive line, Jenkins was 34th. Beagle was 40th. And our kicker, Sanders, was 18th. And uh, Hack was 19th. Uh, that's where everybody, you know, uh, at, at each position excelled. Those are the guys. So, uh, I mean, you know, you just... By looking at that, it tells you how far they have to come personnel-wise to uh, compete with a team like the Chiefs or like the 49ers. Yeah, those numbers get, weren't good. Go ahead, Kirk. I'm sorry, I was going to say, if they you know, they build around some of these players and get some, some decent players in, then their numbers will go up because that will make them better also. To some degree. But I do think we definitely need some impact talent on defense. Uh, we've, we've got to improve that defense. Um, our ends we know are terrible, and we can go through this another show, but you get what I'm saying. On that note, is there anything else you guys wanted to uh, talk about today? Uh, the Pro Bowl, we don't have one player there, do we? No. So Bastards. We won't be watching that. I won't be. Are you guys watching that at all? Uh, I'm not really that interested in it, to be honest with you. I may watch it. I may not. It just depends. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was actually thinking about going to it. 
because the tickets were so cheap. They're only like $35. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, then I thought about it and got mad because there weren't any dolphins in it either. And I'm like, I'm not going to go there for that. Now, Par- <laughs> Parker should be in that game. I don't care what anybody says. He deserves to be there. Absolutely. I agree. You know, and, and I don't think anybody else does, to be honest with you, but uh, he definitely does. And I'm kind of bothered he's not there because, I mean, they should have a representative from each team, in my opinion. Yes, I agree with that as well. So, all right, uh, that'll be it for this week. Uh, thanks for joining me, guys. Kirk, it was good to have you back. I'm sure we'll be hearing more from you as the offseason goes on. Uh Lose a big uh, spring training guy, so I know he's going to start traveling pretty soon. Yeah, get just uh, leave leave your week weeknights open, Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> Make yourself available. <laughs> I was I was already told. <laughs> uh-huh. All right, and uh, we'll be back next week. Fins up, everybody. Fins up, doll fans. Fins up. All right, so that's our show for this week. I just want to remind everyone that the FinFans podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. 